November marks the annual Stress Awareness Day, an international holiday dedicated to raising awareness about the most commonly reported symptom among workers worldwide, stress. In addition to this distinction, stress holds the title as the number one cause of some of the most common mental health disorders, including depression, addiction, and anxiety, as the leading cause of hospitalizations, and, perhaps surprisingly, as the main contributor to the world's leading causes of death, including heart disease, stroke, cancer, diabetes, respiratory disease, and more. Yet while the mental consequences of stress are well-documented and accounted for, ignorance, misconceptions, and stereotypes abound about the physical effects of stress. This includes the myth that physical illnesses that are linked to stress are psychosomatic or all in a person's head, or that stress in itself is a purely psychiatric illness. And of course, this is not only unfortunate, but quite harmful for the near 3 billion people that are thought to be experiencing stress on any given day, as they delay seeking help or treatment for their stress, unaware that it may lead to further, long-lasting complications. That said, joining me now to talk about stress, its physical ramifications, and what can be done about it is Sky Bailey, a clinical counselor here at Workplace Options and the founder of Building Keys to Life, a nonprofit organization for community-based resources for health and wellness. Hi, Sky. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> awesome. So to start us off, when people hear the word stress, more than likely, their mind immediately recalls the mental manifestations of stress, racing thoughts, trouble concentrating, brain fog, mental exhaustion, disassociation, things of that nature. But stress can most certainly have an impact on a person's physical health as well. So the first question that I want to ask you is, what are some of the physical warning signs of stress that people should be looking out for? Okay. Um, I would say the physical signs to to really pay attention to is your breathing. Um, I'd say the number one thing with stress that we don't realize is that breathing that it increases and it increases and it it almost feels like there's like something in your stomach or the pit of your stomach. So that can be just the onset of stress, Um, but it can range from just your breathing to panic attacks, unprovoked panic attacks, um, feeling just overwhelmed with emotions, just in the moment, just really emotionally overwhelmed. Um, That is another warning sign, I would say. Um, If you're not having those indicators, there could be fatigue, sleep problems, um, just changes in your eating habits. And then I would say, ultimately, um, if if it's prolonged, um, it can turn into just having maybe a cold or a flu, and it just reflects in just your your health. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and, you know, another fact about stress that I think many people might not know or might not think is true, you know, is that stress is not inherently bad. Um, you know, it can be a good thing, as science tells us, that manageable stress and a positive stress response can increase alertness, boost brain power, um, and overall add to a person's resilience. Um, but of course, experiencing too much stress or staying in that stress response for too long can cause problems. Um, so the next question I'd like to ask you is, you know, what happens to a person or more specifically, what goes on inside the body um, when a person's stress response is activated for too long? And when does a person's stress levels go from being you know, perceived as normal to perceived as chronic? OK, what goes on within the body when a person's stress response is activated for too long? Um, my response to that would be 
during a stressful situation, whether it's in environmental or psychological, um, it can activate the flight or fight or flight response, <laughs> um, which enables like a person to either fight the threat of the situation or flee the situation. Um, and naturally, if we're not just mentally there, um, it's difficulty in choosing what that response would be. Um, so in terms of how your body would feel, there are three stages within that fight or flight um, terminology, which would be your alarm stage. Um, and during that stage, it's your body is just really preparing you to either, again, fight it or flee it. Um, then the second stage would be the resistance of um, the body attempting to really normalize what that would look like um, in the initial elevated emotions of either the fight or flight response. Um, and then your third stage within that fight or flight response would be um, just persistent chronic stress, I would say, um, of whatever that factor is that they, that they are dealing with in that time. Um, it could cause the body to really feel just exhausted, um, like going back to the the physical symptoms of feeling fatigued and having those sleep problems. So that is how it is impacted um, with chronic stress. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what are some of perhaps the risk or lifestyle factors that can increase people's susceptibility to that chronic stress? You know, especially now in the work that you do, um, what are you seeing in terms of challenges or difficulties that people are facing that might be exacerbating their stress levels? Okay. The number one challenge that I would say in this field that I'm just really observing is the demand for individuals to work harder. Um, due to the inflation. So that environmental picture of it's impacting just the society as a whole, um, which inflation is now the priority of how, you know, will I do these? And self-care is more so put on the back burner of what people are doing for themselves to be able to just to be better manage stress. Because again, that focus is more so providing versus caring for themselves. Right, definitely. And, you know, inflation, it's hard, too, because it's unpredictable. It's kind of out of everyone's hands. Um, you know, there's only so much they can do in response to that. But turning our attention towards what's controllable, you know, what are some coping strategies, practices, or techniques that people can use to alleviate some of those, you know, physical effects of stress and manage their stress levels? I would highly, highly recommend walking. I know it's probably it probably sounds cliche to say walking or exercising, but in the form of getting out into nature, um, I don't think we realize how much nature really impacts our overall well-being. Um, and it just really kind of sometimes aligns with our mood at the time. But getting fresh air, being able to kind of walk out how you're feeling and process that in just some clear space in nature. Um, I think that's just the, the the perfect way to just begin doing that. But if that is just not able, um, if that's not a practice or something that someone is not able to do, um, the next thing is there that mindfulness techniques. Um, in the moment, like stress can be unprovoked, uh, stress, chronic stress or stressful situations and our response to them can be triggered or unprovoked. Um, so also learning what our physical symptoms relate to stress so that we can understand when the onset of it uh, 
comes and how to uh, just really deal with it appropriately, whether we're in a workplace setting, um, in a school setting, in a social setting, or even around family. Um, it's just a good way to be able to learn yourself and what works to be able just to navigate managing stress. Right. Absolutely. And I love to your first point um, about walking. You know, that is something that I personally swear by. And you're right. It is does have such a huge influence on our overall well-being, our physical health and our mental health. Um, so speaking of that kind of connection, um, can you talk a bit about the link between mental and physical health when it comes to stress? Um, you know, why is it so important for people to take care of their physical health when it comes to their mental well-being um, and vice versa? Or in other words, um, how can counseling support help to alleviate the physical impacts of stress? This is a good, healthy question, too. <laughs> um, well, mental health and physical health, they are like Batman and Robin, if if I would, can say. Um, you can't have one without the other. So one also, it just it, it impacts the other. Going back to like you like I was saying in the first question about the physical warning symptoms, quite naturally we feel all the symptoms of stress. Um, we don't really connect it to mental health at that time. We just feel it, and so the initial part of really speaking with the counselor, it will help process where those feelings are stemming. What are the underlying issues to the stress that you have experienced or anything? Um, I would say the number one thing related to stress would be trauma, just prolonged trauma that hasn't really just uh, been processed or worked through. Um, and it really arises more so in those stressful situations or it's triggered. And a lot of individuals aren't aware that they are triggered from just previous trauma, but it reflects now just in their personal lives as a really overwhelming stress or chronic stress. Um, so I do think that counseling support um, will start in processing what are the underlying issues to stress, maybe even identifying some specific coping skills for that individual person um, to help navigate that process. Um, because everyone's coping skills to managing stress looks differently. You know, walking doesn't work for everyone. Mindfulness techniques may not work for everyone. Um, but even um, this is my number one thing that I do like to just recommend um, in terms of stress. If individuals have difficulty maybe uh, building a supportive network for themselves to have someone to process stress with, um, recommending going to the animal shelter for emotional support always. Um, there's always a friendly furry animal that is there to receive that love or even just kind of be there and sit with you if that's what you're needing in that time. So um, I know that we think of those normal, typical things that we would always recommend, but also thinking outside of the box of those things that really mean the most to us. And, and most people like furry animals. Right. Definitely. Um, you know, speaking kind of of how, you know, some people, they don't have you know, let's say that social support or that social network in their personal lives, you know, in addition to, you know, visiting cuddly animals, you know, it also mm -hmm. kind of circles back to the workplace and how important, you know, your colleagues and your managers and your employers are in kind of helping you, 
to manage stress. So my next question is, you know, in the workplace, what are some programs or benefits that employers can invest in to support their employees and help them manage their stress? Um, I would say the the one thing that they can do is really explain in detail their employee assistance program and what that looks like and how they can utilize that for themselves. Um, a lot of times I think uh, companies can share the information that is available to for their support, um, but I think there should be more so a push to really encourage them to do that upon starting uh, that new job. Um, so instead of saying, hey, this is available when you're ready, maybe more so encouraging them to start that in the beginning because it's a, any new job is a transition, but um, that would just say for the company that we want to make sure that even the person that we've hired or is here, we want to ensure that they continue to have the tools upon starting and continuing with that company. So I do think there should be more of a push of uh, just the employee assistance, their specific employee assistance program and sharing that with all of the employees um, to let them know that, hey, th to start that as soon as they can um, rather than later. Right, definitely. Um, you know, and for my last question, you know, in addition to, you know, really needing to work on promoting um, well-being programs or employee assistance programs, you know, what are some other elements of the workplace, you know, that need to go or need to change um, in order to reduce the amount of stress that workers are exposed to, you know, in their day-to-day -day work lives? Let's say company morale with other colleagues and um, just working together as a team. I do think that with all that is changing in every company that, that we've seen, um, it's really key for administration and just hire um, people in positions should be more supportive of maybe the people that are doing, uh, I don't wanna say they're doing more of the work, but maybe more of the front end of the work. Um, that's just the component of working together as a team and understanding uh, the barriers that come with this position, also in understanding the barriers that come with a higher uh, admin position. Um, and transparency, um, I do think that that's important for a lot of employees to know transparency of that company so that they're able to even process those changes the way they see fit and even navigate moving around that if they need to do that to be able to manage stress in their own personal lives and within their career or the workplace. Well, those are all the questions that I have for you. Thank you so much for your responses and your insights. I really enjoyed our conversation. All right, thank you so much for having me and I really enjoyed this. This was so helpful for me and I hope that everyone can be helped by this just listening to this podcast. Awesome. Me too. Well, again, thank you so much. And to our listeners, have a great day. Mm -hmm.